So then before we begin, let us take a moment to pay homage to the most magnificent one, the supremely enlightened one, the fully awakened one, the supreme Lord Buddha. Namo tasse bhagavatu arahatu samma sambuddhasse Namo tasse bhagavatu arahatu samma sambuddhasse Namo tasse bhagavatu arahatu samma sambuddhasse where did we stop last week? I think I asked you to do something. Didn't I? What was it? At home. Okay. So, I hope you have started to put together uh, plan to support your most beloved parents okay and for some of you maybe it's too late for that but you may still have others in your family who are nearest and dearest to you perhaps it's a, an aunt or an uncle who cared for you just as much and uh, maybe even in your childhood, perhaps you lost a parent and then it was maybe a distant relation who looked after you in your formative years. But whatever the case is, this is somewhere you can, from your perspective, pay your debt of gratitude. That you must do whether you can earn merits out of it or not. Right? So we don't do things just because of merits, because it is our duty. Otherwise, Radha and will have no reason to do anything, really. But we have, we are always bound by duty. For, for as long as we are alive, there's a duty that we owe to, you know, society, to humanity. That is what makes us decent people, right? Before anything, we should be a decent human being. You know, a Buddhist is comes later, right? A monk comes later. If you're not a decent human being, then what's the point of being a monk? Or a, an educated person, or a wealthy person? Does, none of those things makes any adds any value if you're not a decent human being. So decent human beings understand and recognize that they have a duty to others, to be respectful towards others, to tolerate others' faults and weaknesses just as others do unto you and to be patient when things don't go to plan and, and and especially to look after those who have been of assistance to you and always been there in your difficult times. And particularly, you know, when we had the pandemic, there might have been days, times, weeks, months maybe, perhaps when you had to go, go for work you had to leave your children with your parents, maybe, and in those difficult times where everyone had to pull their weight, people would have gone the extra mile for you. It's not decent for us to forget what others have done for us. So 
kind of you know keep it at the in the back of your minds always always look look out for those who have those who have gone the extra mile for you and those who have helped you in any situation it's it's a it's part of being human if if, if that is taken out of you then what, what's the point all of this comes later because that is part of the sudugati as guru hanro has explained to us <clears throat> it's part of being a decent human being so hopefully you have started to put together or you're starting to put together some plans to support him, your parents and i would like to reemphasize that the most important bit there is the fact that you're doing it therefore you understand their predicaments you understand where they come from there's the situations that they find themselves in the kind of experiences that they've had in their lives so that is why i'm asking you to do it instead of asking you to bring them here i can give them the dhamma but you're going to have to help them to relate that dhamma to their lives and who better than someone who knows them better than i do so that is that and hopefully you will continue doing that at any point you can ask for help with that with that particular objective i'm i'm more than happy to help you okay if you come and ask me a dhamma question i might say oh, madam can you please ask that later or we'll come to that later but if you come and ask me sarvanas i want to help my parents and i have this issue where i i'm trying to get through to them but i'm struggling with some particular issue i'll give you my time so i'm prepared to help you with that okay and then moving on to the application of the dhamma we started to talk about this sense of belonging that we have to outwardly objects and gradually we will bring it as close to our hearts or our, our minds as possible and i'm going to help you take make uh, make another few steps forward on that journey today because we started to discuss about the problem that happens when we begin to feel that things belong to us what i what hopefully i tried to get across to you last week was that things don't need to belong to you for them to serve their purpose so things don't need to belong to someone for them to serve its purpose and this is where i started to uh, i wanted you to start looking at what sort of things you have at home your furniture utensils and various other pieces of equipment that you might have at home they can serve their purpose whether or not they belong to you so this sense of belonging is is not a necessary part of your interaction with that with the said object okay a plate you can use to eat whether you believe it belongs to you or not now when you come to the monastery you don't have your plate right but the thing is is the mind will still even for a very short period of time will convince itself that this is now my plate that's why if you serve your meal your your food into that and you leave it somewhere and if you come back say for instance you you had to go to the 
go to the toilet or somewhere for a short period of time, you come back and someone else has taken it. Now, as decent human beings, you may not say anything about it, but internally you can't stop yourself from feeling, that's my plate, why did he take my plate? There are enough plates there, why did he take my plate? Right? And where we see it most often is not plate, but my seat. <laughs> right? Do we not reserve seats wherever we go? There's always, you know, we have this internal kind of, it's like a condition that if you sit down somewhere, when you go, when you go somewhere, now that seat is yours until the end of your, your, your visit. That is yours now. Right? So imagine, yeah, I asked you all to get up and leave for a second. Answer me this question yeah, honestly. <laughs> Wait, I haven't asked the question yet. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say next, right? Yes. And then if I ask you to come back to your seats, right? If, if someone else has been sitting in your seat, you know, that's why we learn these as fairy tales and, you know, stories as young children. Who's been sitting in my chair? Remember? Yeah. What are they called? Three, three, three little bears? Three bears, yeah, three bears. So, we've, you know, this, this sense of belonging, we feel that it's an intrinsic part of our existence. It's almost like an arm or a leg. You know, we can't survive without it. It has to be there. We feel that it's a, it's an it's a really important and a necessary part of our, our existence. I'm trying to help you understand that that is not the case. Or at least I want you to consider differently. I'm trying to get you to realize, hopefully, that this sense of belonging has never brought you real belonging. The only thing it has brought you, what was it, sir? You reminded us last week. Indeed. Grief and fear. Whenever you have this sense of belonging, there's only one thing you get out of that. It doesn't function better than it would if you didn't have that feeling. I mean, what is the purpose of having a, having a pen? Let's take something simple as a pen. What do you use a pen for? To write. When you have a sense of this pen belongs to me, does it write any better? So, we must only do things if they add value, right? If they make sense and add something to our lives. We don't do things just willy-nilly. But the problem is, we go into this mode of belonging, and it, because it feels so natural to do it, and we don't see any problem with that. But the thing is, all problems are because of that. This is the point we miss. And that's the point I'm trying to help you realize. First, we need to understand it. Second, we need to contemplate about it. And thirdly, you will free yourself from that if your mind accepts that this is the truth. So there's a huge precondition for that. All your lives you've lived that belonging is, there's no problem with belonging. Yes or no? Only until, you know, only until before you, only after you start to listen to the talks, the sermons, did you begin to understand? I mean, not, I don't mean these sermons. I mean the Buddha, Dhamma. Did you begin to realize that there's, there's a problem with this sense of belonging? Because, you know, we kind of, 
we kind of speak very positively about a sense of belonging. Yeah, it's it's something that people talk about. So you know, so they they, they condone it. You need to have a sense of belonging. You know, we feel patriotic. Like this is my school. You should feel you should feel about your school. You should feel uh, a sense of attachment to your school, right? Your alma mater. You should feel a sense of belonging to your family. You should feel a sense of belonging to your community, to your country. So words were used, ideas were implanted in our minds to create that sense of belonging. Because those feelings and emotions are necessary for the continued protection of that entity. You'll begin to understand in a moment that you are exploited to achieve another purpose. You see, when the idea is planted in your mind that this is your school, how do you feel about your school after that? Exactly. And you, want, you, you feel proud about your school and you want to protect your school, right? So you will, you know, you will do whatever you can to fight off any, anyone who's trying to cause trouble, right? Anyone who comes to draw graffiti, you'll, you'll chase them away, you know, stop mocking my school. And, you know, you will fight for your school. You'll fight for that purpose. If someone insults your school, like, you will get really mad and sometimes... See, the gentleman speaks with experience. <laughs> And, and, you know, people say that is how you should be. Yeah, you should, that's how you should be. If someone speaks up and, you know, they, they, they insult your school, they insult something you belong to, your community, your race, your religion. What is Buddhism for after all? To break that connection. But if someone speaks against Buddhism, you've got to fight for it. <laughs> Wielding weapons. We kill in the name of Buddhism. <laughs> I mean, Buddhism is anything but. Makes no sense. It is only my belief that, you know, all other religions are the same. Although people have today interpreted it in different ways. I don't think any religious leader would have condoned, you know, fighting or killing or murdering uh, you know, in the name of the, of the religion or the, or the philosopher. I think it's what people have come to think that their religion is about today because of ignorance and attachment. But if you start this journey closer to home, where which is easier to do, I mean, that's what I'm saying, you know, let's not go to children yet. Let's maybe not go to our spouses yet. Let's not maybe go to our families, you know, things like that yet. We can start, we can start closer to home where we can, those, severing those attachments is not going to cause us a great deal of discomfort or heartaches. We can start with the smaller things, right? And then we can work ourselves towards the ultimate objectives, ultimate challenges. The ultimate challenge is to feel that you don't even belong to yourself. How about that? That's where we are going with this. Not only do I not belong to my family, not only do I not have a sense of belonging to this country or this, to this race or this religion, I don't even belong to myself. So do whatever you want to this. That's the ultimate destination. We are starting. We've got to start somewhere. As I said last week, go home and see what things you have at home and ask yourselves, do you need that sense of belonging for them to serve their purpose? 
a pen is a pen is a pen whether you believe it belongs to you or not you can still write with it and if you need a pen to write what is the additional sense of belonging adding to it does it doesn't make it write faster it doesn't make it write clearer doesn't make it uh, you know it doesn't give it a smoother texture nothing like that doesn't change its color nothing doesn't write for longer so when we do things that don't serve a purpose we need to ask ourselves is it worth it why you know you would never do something which you, do, you which you didn't feel adds value would you i mean you don't you don't even get up in the morning if there was nothing particularly important to do that day you you'll stay in or you'll sleep in won't you so even getting out of bed you'll ask yourself is it worth it do i need to set the alarm an hour earlier sometimes you'll snooze the alarm and you'll carry on so why do we then entertain within ourselves this feeling of this this sense of belonging what are the pros what are the cons the only pros that people will come to make you think is that when you believe that something belongs to you you will protect it you will become the protector we talked about the security guard back in the day the moment you began to think that something belongs to you something belong to you immediately you got yourself a full time job right some people tell me that the, the that the earliest profession was uh, was prostitution i beg to differ that was not the earliest job the earliest profession was that of protector whatever you think belongs to you the moment you start to believe in that immediately you get yourself a full time job there's no pay so we are all voluntary workers it's only when someone says can you come and help and you know sweep the temple no 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 i don't i don't believe voluntary work pay me and i'll come but everyone's working voluntarily even even if you be- believe the wrong thing belong to you you still protect it say something belongs to this lady and somehow she believes that it no it belongs to her no who's going to belong who's going to protect it this young lady will so it doesn't have to belong you only need to feel that sense of belonging so there are no pros on your part there is nothing you gain out of it there's absolutely nothing you gain out of it because whatever purpose this is the point i want to get try and get across to you whatever purpose that object has come into this world to serve it will do it perfectly fine perfectly well without you having this additional sense of belonging towards it you can drink with your cup you can eat with you know with your with your on your plate you can you can you can uh, you know write with your pen you can read your book without the your part you can drive a car without it belonging to you perfectly fine you can live in a house doesn't need to belong to you the house will serve its purpose whether you believe it belongs to you or not but you see how much we are so used to and so accustomed to feeling this sense of belonging if you say for instance you know book a, book yourself a room you know it's like the chair right 
you don't book say you you want to go and spend spend the day somewhere and you make a reservation you book a hotel room right and now that hotel room is yours isn't it yeah 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 right so you, they give you the key right say room number number 30 right and now you got the hotel key and when you go back after you you go on, on your excursion you come back into the hotel and the door is open hmm? someone is in there what's what are you going to ask uh, excuse me this is my room. Prove it. I hope you understand that I'm, I'm actually speaking in a different dimension altogether. This is the, this is a, the third dimension. Because if you speak about this, if you utter a syllable of what I'm talk talking to you about, without a, the prior understanding of the Dhamma to someone else out there, they'll think you've gone mad. Honestly, they will. Because whose room is that? It's yours, yes. That's why you can take someone to court. You can sue them. I booked this room, this is my room for the day, and someone walked in and they say it belongs to them. You can go and file a complaint with the hotel. When this room is taken, why did you give this to someone else? You can ask that question and it will be perfectly fine. They'll listen to you, they'll take down your complaint and they will investigate and they might even pay you penalties. But that is... That is a second dimension. When you... Go beyond that. When you go beyond what is superficial, when you begin to open your intellect and start to really ask some interesting questions and really ask yourself, why this sense of belonging? What, is, what purpose does it serve? Then you'll begin to understand actually that it has not served any positive purpose. But the problem is, that doesn't mean that it's not given you anything in return. Well, it has, unfortunately. What it has given you is fear and grief. How reluctant might you be if you were to see that someone else has walked into your room without your permission and then the hotel comes and says, Oh sir, I'm really sorry about that. We'll give you another room. Generally, what would your feedback be? Your response be? No. Why me? Ask them to leave. Why? Because this is my room. <laughs> Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Yeah. Say you are in a, you go to see a film, or you're at the theater, right? And you're sat somewhere. You, it was first come, first served. Hmm? You went and took a, took your seat. You came in early, right? So you took a front seat. And then someone comes and says, you know, say a VIP has just come into the room and say, I'm really sorry, sir. We are going to have to ask you to go to the back. Do you remember Ambayalu? Yes. You remember that scene from the, from the film? Yeah. They said, please, can we ask you to leave? What did they do? They left. But they took a back seat? No, they actually left. Why? They were offended. Why? Because those were... That's my seat. 
that's my seat why is it when you reserve us when you believe you have reserved a seat now we have to talk in those terms i can't say when you reserved a seat that is a two dimensional idea in the third dimension when you believe that you have reserved a seat why do you have to leave your bag there <laughs> if it was your seat why would you have to leave your bag everyone should know that shouldn't they is this not an indication this seat is reserved if it was truly reserved well done how old are you not 14 yet Oh. <laughs> 13 14 3 years <laughs> keep coming okay if something was truly yours you wouldn't have to prove it you would need a certificate of authenticity the very fact that you do means it's a convention it is because it's a convention you have to come to an agreement as to how you're going to need, you're going to have to prove things belong to you right that's why you have a certificate to say that such and such person is your wife yeah yeah See? You even have to prove that. <laughs> your child has a birth certificate on which you, it has your names. His <laughs> parents. So that you can prove it. Why do you have to prove something? If it's yours. The point is this is purely a feeling, a sense it's an internalized sense an internalized feeling that is not truly out there only you know that something belongs to you to everyone else you have to prove it you have to convince them so if you started to do this activity at home then you will have now come to some sort of realization that whatever you have acquired by now which may be land other types of property maybe your car maybe your television things you have in your kitchen right these are all objects that have been invented gifted to this world by scientists to serve a purpose and that purpose will be either hunger and sating hunger thirst quenching thirst Truly, if you think about it, the the purpose of those things will be to help you live a comfortable life. It will help anyone live a comfortable life. Doesn't have to be you. A refrigerator will cool and think keeps things cold or frozen because that is what it's designed to do. it doesn't have to be yours and therefore whatever you put into it it will go through that process an umbrella is the same so i'm just you know using various examples to convince the point to you you know think about your glasses 
if someone else were to get the same optical prescription, the gloves glasses will work just, just fine for them as well. Sometimes you mistakenly wear someone else's glasses and they say, oh, I didn't realize it was not mine. So, are these your glasses? No, they're just glasses. By just glasses, I don't mean they're just glasses. What I mean is they're, they're here to serve a purpose and that is to better your sight. Now, see, you know, look around this room and think about if there's anything that belongs to me or to you. You have a feeling that the chair that you're sat on right now is yours for the duration of this sermon. How wrong that is. But you can't stop yourself feeling that way. Now, although I've explained this to you, and if I now ask you to leave and say, come back, and then you've all shuffled around and someone else is sat in your chair, you'll think, this idiot. Did he not see me sitting there? Why has he taken it? There are plenty of seats there. Why didn't he just go and take one of those seats? That's why I started the sermon in the morning. You know, have you, are you comfortable now? You've all found your places to sit yeah, in the Dhamma Hall because you've been now coming for a few weeks. Right? And then what happens after a while? You find a place, right? This is my, my, you know, this is my pitch. This is my tent. You know, this is my place. This is where I camp. <laughs> it happens. The first thing to do before we start tackling this problem is first to re- recognize that it's happening. As with any problem. First, you need to recognize that it's happening. Second, you need to recognize what, what the problems are. What, what's wrong about it happening. Don't stop anything until you realize that something's wrong with it. That there's a, there are consequences to it. You have a bottle of water, perhaps? Right? No. <laughs> Go ahead, say it's alright. Yes, that one. Right? Now you see, let's, if you, I'll, I'll use the good gentleman if you, if you don't mind. So you say now the gentleman wants to drink the, take the bottle of water. And let's imagine as he reaches for it, it's gone. It's missing. And he looks around. Where's that bottle? And then he sees the lady sat next to him drinking from it. You can't stop the feeling. What feeling? Get your own. Now, as a kind gentleman, as he is, you know, he'll, he'll obviously say, oh, please, you know, I'm so glad to have offered it to you. But his thing, who offered it? I offered it. So it's mine to give you. Yeah, you see, it's mine to give you. Giving and giving up are two different things. Okay? Giving and giving up are two very different things. You give something that belongs to you. You give up your sense of belonging. This is, this is a very important distinction that I want, to, I want you to understand. You give something that belongs to you. You give up the the sense of the feeling that it belongs to you. You give something to someone that belongs to you. right? So this has to be yours to give to someone. I give it to you. I offer it to you. Please take it. right? And then they'll say, and they'll say thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Why? Because I've given you something that belongs to me. 
But once you begin to understand that it doesn't belong to you to begin with, now how do you give? This may be a little bit heavy, but that's all right. Because, you know, today is not going to be the only day I'm going to talk about it. We'll continue talking about it until the penny drops. <clears throat> Excuse me. Think about it. When did something belong to you to then give it to somebody? As I say, this is an entirely different dimension. Okay? We are talking about another universe. This is a parallel universe, okay? So, please understand that conventionally, none of these concepts stand hold water. You must forget all of this as you walk out of this room. I think now I'm going to have to start to brainwash you. <laughs> to do what? To get you to forget or hypnotize you before you leave. Because if you go and try and live this life outside with other people who don't understand this, who haven't heard this, they'll think you've gone mad. I promise you they will. They will. See, now I'm trying to explain, because you see, previously I said, we used to say, please, you know, give others. Whatever you have, give others. And today I'm going to tell you, nothing belongs to you to give others. <laughs> so then you'll ask me, but, but, so all this time you've told us to give things to others? Were you just making stuff up? Was that not the truth? No, it was. Then, this is the truth now. They are both true. What is true in grade 5 will be proven wrong in grade 10. But while you are in grade 5, that is the truth. Because until and unless you understand that, you will not be able to understand what they teach you in grade 10. Yes or no? Yes. yes. But it's not, you know, it shouldn't be just a case of, you know, let's, okay, let's just now from today onwards, uh, you know, understand or accept that we don't, we don't exist. It, that is pointless because you still feel that internally, that I do exist. This effort, this, this endeavor is not for you to kind of bear something which is, which goes against your experience. This effort is to try and change that internal experience entirely. This internalization of this Dhamma is what needs to happen. Whereby, whatever Dhamma you hold and understand as true is what you truly feel on the inside and experience on the inside. That is the transformation that we are looking for. Everybody knows that the ten unmeritorious deeds are unmeritorious, but they can't stop themselves from doing it. So just knowing something and the internal urge to do something can sometimes be worlds apart. It is not what you know that saves you. It is who you have become. In the process of getting and realizing what you know. An Arahant is not a Sotapanna. Please understand that. A Sotapanna is not an Arahant. A Sotapanna has understood. An Arahant is someone who has internalized that understanding. A Sotapanna will be born again. The only places that they won't go are the four great hells. But they will be born again and they will cry, they will weep, they will lament, they will, they will fear grief and sorrow. All of that they'll go through. But an Arahant? No. Because an Arahant is someone who has internalized that understanding. It has become part of who they are. So coming back, now if you have begun to realize that the things that you have at home is this sense of belonging that you have is purely 
a sense that you have on the inside that this is a feeling okay that this this is a, this sense of belonging is simply a feeling that you have on the inside and it serves no other purpose than giving you leaving you with fear and grief then you have to start asking the question what is the point why why do i go through this you don't want to suffer do you voluntarily no if you could do something to stop it you would i need to first convince you that the only thing you get out of this sense of belonging is fear and grief then you will understand or then you will want to stop it then i can tell you how to otherwise you'll only do it because i say so and that doesn't work believe me tried it doesn't work it won't work if you do something just because i tell you to do it especially this it won't work like that you can't become an arahant because someone says it's nice to be one so let's take this example right i have a pen i can if i wish think to myself that this pen belongs to me and call it my pen the moment i think of this as my being my pen now i will have to take care of this i will have to protect this if someone comes to take this away then i'll i'll not be happy about that i didn't have that pro- i don't have the problem about the other pens there are two more here i don't have that problem about them because they're not my pens this is my pen but this feeling of my or this sense of belonging does not make this pen write any better the ink does not refill by itself because i believe that it's my pen it writes no better than the other pens it doesn't feel lighter it doesn't it doesn't hold better it doesn't you know write smoother nothing nothing productive comes out of that feeling absolutely nothing productive would you agree but although there is nothing productive there are some things that are quite destructive if this is my pen now i am the protector and i need to keep it safe i will lock it in a safe you know you can replace pen with anything you know this you can substitute with anything right i will lock it in a safe i will keep a guard i will put cctv cameras i will have to stay up through the night keeping watch and if i have to leave for a few days go somewhere i'll have to ask someone to look after it while in my absence if something happens please let me know give me a call here's my number yeah as i said substitute this with anything that you feel strongly belongs to you could be your children i know we say we're not going to go there just yet right okay okay reel back your car you know if you had to say you're going on a holiday or going somewhere so some some distance not traveling abroad but you know going somewhere with some friends and you're driving in their car and you're going to leave your car at home for a few days right chances are you'll ask a neighbor just to keep a keep an eye out won't you if you lock up and you if you're going for a few days maybe a week or two you'll ask him if maybe say you're going abroad on holiday you'll say please can you keep an eye out 
sometimes you might have the CCTV cameras connected to the internet and you will observe what's going on going on in your home from you know on your phone wherever you go from time to time you will check if you've got any uh, burglar alerts see how wonderful technology is <laughs> keeps you up at night <laughs> and then they invent mattresses that can help you sleep well <laughs> What's the blooming point? <laughs> oh, I promised to show you a video. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about the video. Next week, okay? Technology is so good, it keeps you up at night. People used to sleep peacefully. But now they can't. Because it has helped you keep in touch with your fears. Hmm? But what will convince you? It will help you sleep easy. You can keep an eye out. You can make sure everything's fine. And to do that, what should you, what should you do? Keep checking. When your car alarm goes off, that wasn't a problem until you believed that the car belonged to you. What did you do? You went to the auto shop, the car trader. Remember, it's, it's simply a case of this money does no longer belongs to me and the, the, the seller will believe the car no longer belongs to me and then you begin to think, okay, now the car belongs to me and now the guy thinks the money belongs to him. This is a transaction, right? So a business transaction is wholly down with down to how you feel inside about things. So really then what you know those objects didn't don't belong to anybody. If you can you know change your the this, this sense of belonging at a drop of a hat then it doesn't belong to anybody. It's just a feeling. But you can't stop yourself from feeling that way. Your bank card if you wear a ring, whose ring is that? That's my ring. Would you like it today if you went, you know, as you walked, you open your gates and walked home, you know, you you got some squatters in your home? Would you like that? Would you like that sight? No, you give you a heart attack. I mean, in some countries you can't even chase the fellows. Because it's my house. What you have forgotten is a house is a house was not built for you. The house was built to give shelter. That we have forgotten. So if a house is to give shelter, then as many people as can be given shelter should be able to accommodate it, shouldn't it? Shouldn't they? Why should it be the problem? You know, there's a house or a mansion, right? Some mansions they have thirty bedrooms. There you go. Some, some mansions have hundreds of bedrooms. But how many people live in there? <laughs> Do you think they'd be happy with strangers coming and staying there? No. Why? Because it's my house. It's my house. It's not your house, it's my house. But a house was not built to be mine. When did they lay down the mine brick? 
you know, honestly, tell me, you know, in the process of construction, right, was it in the cement? Was it in the rubble? Was it in the sand? Was it in the water? Where did the mine brick come in? At no point was it mine. The only time it became mine was when you began to think it's yours. So you see, this is wholly, completely, entirely and comprehensively simply a feeling that you have that things belong to you. I wouldn't have had any problem with it if not for the consequences. I wouldn't be talking about this, ladies and gentlemen, if it weren't for the consequences of this feeling of belonging. I only speak of it and I speak against it because the moment this feeling arises in you, immediately you put yourself through hell. You become the protector of that. You become the guardian. You become the person who has to be who has to live in fear because of it. You become the person who has to live in grief because of it. But you didn't pay for that, did you? You went and asked, how much is this thing? Uh, Five million. Okay, I'll buy the house. Did you pay for fear? Did you pay for the grief? But did you not get it for free? See? It's buy one, get two free. Unfortunately, you can't break it. Everything is buy one, get two free. So actually, everything in this world is on offer. <laughs> buy one, get two free. You don't have to pay a penny for grief, fear and grief. But you can't stop it from happening. Because you can't stop the reason you can't stop fear and grief from happening is because you can't stop this feeling of belonging that happens within you. You will, once you understand the Dhamma. And don't you worry, I will explain all that to you. How you can get there. How you can break this sense of belonging, but still remain a duty-bound person. Someone who fulfills their duty. And that's why I said, you know, right at the start of last week's sermon, what did I ask you to do? Look after your parents. And here's someone who's going to explain to you that this, in, this, in this world, there's nothing that belongs to you. But I start that talk by saying, look after your parents. So now you must understand that there's a clear distinction between the sense of belonging that brings you fear and grief and the sense of duty that you have towards others. Just because you do one doesn't mean the other should stop. In fact, the more you begin to understand the Dhamma, you will feel, you will look at every mother as your mother. Because it is not the fact that she is a mother that goes away. It's the fact that it is your mother that goes away. But everyone's a mother. Everyone's a father. And Arahant is someone who can look at everyone as their child. That is untarnished love. Pure love. Pure compassion. Right now, the way you love your mother, you can only love your mother. The way you love your child, you can love only your child. That child should have come from you. That child should have popped out of you. Even if it's your sister's child, you may not feel exactly the same way. Even if it's your best friend's child, you may still not feel the same way. <clears throat> you may say so. You know, I feel about you the same way as I do about my child. But 
unless you have an understanding of the dhamma when the two of them are up against each other you will always choose it will happen automatically you can't stop it you will know that this is not right but you can't stop it because there's an internal process that's going on remember processes don't need people to work it's a function provided there are causes an effect will materialize just as much as you do, it, you know raining doesn't need you does it it will rain what about growing old does it need you to play a part no because there's a process what about healing does it need you no dying need you no air conditioning it's a process something there's there's a there's a process that's going on does it need you no does the aircon need to feel like i'm doing it no digestion if you stop one day to you know think, feeling that it's you who's digesting your food will it stop no that is why you can't stop it that's why you can you can't pause it and replay it and you know rewind <coughs> excuse me you have no control because you are not part of it there's a process that is followed and provided the causes are there you will the result will materialize will manifest itself in the same way ladies and gentlemen what i want you to understand is this feeling of belonging is also the product of a process which is why you can do something about it if something were not the result of a cause no matter how mighty you are you can't stop it let me repeat that if something were not the results of causes you would never be able to stop it or start it or continue it in other words such a thing would not exist think about it. i'm giving you time to think about it. oh what about this one what about that one as intelligent people you know i'm giving you time to think about your own examples see right now this microphone is picking up these vibrations in the air right and there's a diaphragm in there that's vibrating accordingly then there's an electrical signal a condenser will generate an electrical signal that will travel to the wire there's a radio transmitter here <clears throat> and that radio transmitter sends a signal over to the receiver over there which again converts it to electrical signal travels through a wire goes to the camera and then there's a an electrical circuit there and i see that converts those electrical signals into zeros and ones that get stored on a chip let me say that again here's my mic it's picking up my vibrations <laughs> then there's my diaphragm in there and the di my diaphragm is also vibrating to my vibrations <laughs> and then that generates my electrical signal my electrical signal travels down my wire down to the my transmitter that my rate my my transmitter then transmits my radio waves 
tell me what is the point of this my in this in this description absolutely nothing but if that can i stop myself from feeling that this is my mic so if someone were if you believe this is your mic and someone come to came to take it hey it's mine i didn't give you permission let's say you know forget taking it if someone uses something that belongs to you without your permission that's why i said if the if the you know when the gentleman wanted to drink some water and he was looking for his bottle can't see it and the lady is drinking water from there yeah he might ask who gave you permission to drink from my bottle what were bottles invented for taking permission <laughs> what were bottles were invented for to ask permission they are there so that people can go around asking permission from each other <laughs> no bottles were invented to drink water hold water drink water from so isn't that what the lady was in this in our example hypothetical situation wasn't that what the lady was going to do drink and it's, that's what she's doing so what's the problem it she's doing exactly what the bottle was intended for so is she wrong to do that no but she's wrong in the gentleman's eyes this is just like beauty why so it's in the eyes of the beholder so the gentleman believes that she's wrong to be drinking water out of his bottle if anything is his he is that's what the buddha says his purusha <laughs> that's the only thing that is his empty lack of understanding ignorance you know what if the gentleman later realized there's a video for that as well i'll show it to you one day someday when <laughs> <laughs> i remember what if the gentleman later realized that actually it was not his bottle things happen like that as well right so he looks looks around and the lady is drinking from the bottle and he says excuse me madam that's my bottle how dare you he says no sir this is my bottle this is this is my bottle then the gentleman looks oh i'm so sorry <laughs> and he finds his bottle i'm so sorry again been there done that yes worn the t-shirt yeah. yes sir. what is the thinking from her perspective meaning the one who was drinking the other person mm. who thinks it was his absolutely yeah so you see the thing is Remember I said this sense of belonging is the product of a of a of a process for as long as this process or these causes are are present in the mind you none of you can stop yourself from thinking that you are someone and things belong to you and you are an a, 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 an individual or an identity different from somebody else so you know if the lady truly believed that it was her bottle she is no worse than him or if the lady thought that this is not my bottle but i'm going to take it anyway 
again she still she still believes that this is not my bottle that's also wrong i really hope i'm getting through to you <laughs> the thing is i i i can't look into your minds and check if what if you what you've understood is exactly what i have explained to you yet because this is this is an entirely different dimension i'm i'm telling you now that the bottle that be, doesn't belong to the lady for her to think that it doesn't belong to her is also wrong <laughs> do you understand that why it's just a bottle it's not something to belong or not to belong <laughs> you understand that things are not to either belong or not to belong belonging is not something that is part of a part of an object it's not a characteristic of an object it's not something that we need to do with things either feel that they belong to us or feel that they don't belong to us it's irrelevant because belonging is simply a product of ignorance and attachment nothing to do with a bottle nothing to do with an with an object so if the ladies to think that oh i'm so sorry that's not i mean out of decency we do that because we live in a two dimensional world in a world where people live you know founded in ignorance and attachment that is their base right so they'll always feel that they exist and other people exist right and and these things belong to me and those things belong to you so let's make sure you don't touch my things i'll not touch your things right we'll live happily in that kind of world in that sort of world what she says is true but when we take another step deeper further and we open the veil and we take we we enter this three dimensional world a dimension where we have to begin to ask this question of ourselves do i really let's not go there <laughs> what is the point of belonging okay do i really exist will come to later okay the the thing is this you know if we if we take long jumps and skip things in between then you will completely confuse yourself the very dhamma that can help you free yourself can entangle you and can entrap you and make you go insane ignorance is a byproduct of wisdom taken wisdom wrongly that is ignorance so we had that is why we had to be very careful and that's why we very cautious in trying to explain these concepts that's why i'm taking you know things one small step at a time but it's a giant leap for you but it's a small step it's okay let's not be hasty let's take our time with this all i need you to is, is keep coming or at least listen to the sermons even if you're listening to them from home what i'm trying to explain to you here going back to that example the gentleman believes that this pen belongs to me therefore if you want it please ask me you should have asked me people say that right if you want it please ask why so that with my permission you can use it why because this belongs to me
and if the other person say mistakenly takes it and starts using it then she might apologize profusely oh, i'm so 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 sorry i didn't realize that this was your bottle that's why or this was your pen or bottle or whatever this is that's why i i took it i'm so sorry it's not i now realize it's not mine but it's yours right or wrong again see because she feels that it's not mine it's yours objects are not to be made mine or not mine it's not something we need to do with objects do you understand that the making mind part or the not mind part is not a function that when you do with objects this was invented to write not to be made mind or not mind but an ignorant mind can't stop feeling that things either belong to me or don't belong to me they are both based in ignorance because when you say something doesn't belong to me you're saying it belongs to somebody else so you're still talking about belonging belonging is a product of ignorance whether that's mine or not mine it's a product of ignorance how so because we can use any object to our satisfaction and to its fullest abilities and capabilities simply by using utilizing that object it doesn't have to belong to anybody to use it a car drives just as well whether it's driven by the owner or somebody else that's why you can hire a driver and sometimes he may drive it better than you can right is that why, that's why you you hire one now see if that was your car you would never be able to hire get a driver that's how you can exchange things can i borrow your whatever meaning it will still work in my hands just as much as it works in yours because the object fortunately does not know who it belongs to isn't that so this object does not know who it belongs to now you'll say well you know we talked about passwords hmm oh maybe it has a fingerprint scanner see people can't do without this belonging feeling that's why they have to make it you know now the object won't work until you it is your fingerprint on it that again gives you the feeling that this belongs to you but no if i were if 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 that fingerprint could be copied and placed on that sensor it will still work you know there are there even pistols that will only work if the owner pulls the trigger right there are phones you have fingerprint scanners right you can only unlock it using your fingerprint a biometric somehow but if you are able to duplicate that you can still get it to work so it does not have to be your fingerprint exactly that's right it doesn't have to be your fingerprint it just has to be the right fingerprint but what are the cons of this feeling of belonging fear and grief 
So imagine this: if someone took your phone, and which can only be unlocked with your with your fingerprint, right? Let's imagine that. Now you're sat down there. You've got your phone somewhere over there. Someone comes in. They, they take your phone, and they they start, you know, like pretending to slide and uh, scroll through through the the device. How do you feel? Huh? <laughs> How did you get into my phone? Why do you feel that? Because it's your phone. While it was in the store, that wasn't a problem. Perhaps that phone belonged to somebody else until yesterday, and only today it was given to you as a gift. Yesterday, when that happened, you didn't have a problem. In fact, its previous owner did plenty of that to it, and you didn't have a problem. But now it's yours. Imagine the previous owner comes and starts using it. Are you okay with that now? No. <laughs> Say you got married to someone who got divorced. Hmm? <laughs> Fill in the blanks. <laughs> and you're not comfortable with the previous owner coming and using your phone, right? Yes, like so. <laughs> so this sense of belonging, no matter where you apply it, will only give you heartache. Will only give you headaches. Will only give you grief, pain, sorrow, lamentation, grief, fear. So now you need to begin to understand that this is. That's why last week I think I asked you, what is worse than an undiagnosed cancer or an unidentified cancer? This sense of belonging, because the cancer will only kill you. The sense of belonging will not let you die. What's worse, death or not being able to die? Imagine becoming immortal. Yeah. Existing forever, how would that be? How would you like that? If you had to exist forever. And, you know, every every time you continue to exist, right? So every year you continue to exist, everyone else is dying around you. And you can't live alone, so therefore you need new family every day. Your, your wife today is going to be dead in another 10 years, 20 years, 30 years time, but you'll still be there. So now someone else will have to become your wife. Someone else will have to become your children. Someone else will have to become your best friends. Now, you're going to have to go through that experience forever because you are immortal. Would you like that? I can tell you how to become immortal. You want a lesson? What if, what if I told you that you are already immortal? Hmm? You've already learned that lesson. That's why I don't need to teach you that. <clears throat> I'm having to help you unlearn that <laughs> and actually try and become mortals. So this is mortal combat. <laughs> Indeed, this is the combat for mortality, not for immortality. This is our fight for our right to die.
you just can't remember you've been through all this so many times that doesn't mean it never happened that doesn't mean it won't happen just because you don't remember you know do you remember coming out of your mother's womb so did it not happen only what i remember happened is a meaningless argument isn't it someone gives you wax you on the back of your head you won't remember yesterday happened <laughs> so just because you know your memory is as i say you know like a memory of a fish relatively speaking you only remember very short periods of time and very you know a very small number of things from things you that that really happened to you you know can you recount every step you took from the dhamma hall to the library let's not go back to yesterday it hasn't even been an hour yet <clears throat> can you recount everything you saw no but when you saw it did you not see it yes they are very faint memories they are they are, they are there you just can't rec- recall them then you know, now if you developed your meditative skills you could go back and access those memories your mind is not sharp enough to access them that is why you can't remember them not that you don't remember they're there they're just not accessible i'm not saying let's all start to do that now because it's pointless there's no point remembering what foolish and idiotic things we've done in our previous lives because they're just the same as what we did in this world <coughs> the point is what you did yesterday you feel that you did them what you're going to be doing tomorrow you feel that you're going to do them right things that belong to you feel that they truly belong to you not just conventionally now an arahant knows that things belong to him let's not forget that because so an arahant when he goes on an arms round he'll only take his bow arms bow he will only don his robes he will use his toothbrush he is not going to say there's no sense of belonging so i could use anyone he's not going to be like that he's going to go walk in his kuti and if, he, if they've got these places allocated to sit down for meditation he'll go and sit there he knows who his teacher is he knows which day of the week it is he knows these things but he knows that this sense of ownership is only a convention so he doesn't internally he doesn't feel that sense of belonging that unbreakable bond that you feel towards things therefore things that happen to that external object don't shatter his peace they don't have any effect on his peace of mind So you see that is the bridge that connects external eventualities to internal horrors that is the bridge this bridge of belonging and that is the only thing that this bridge serves don't take it because i say so i need you to understand this otherwise it's pointless you will not start working at it you will not start you know trying to demolish that bridge until you wholly completely entirely out of conviction accept that the only thing that you've gotten out of it was fear and grief and a whole lot more of suffering and nothing else mm-hmm.
that's why I said in the example earlier, you know, the lady used the bottle, not knowing that it was, or thinking that it belonged to somebody else. And only later did she realize that it, that it belonged to the gentleman. But that didn't stop her from drinking her, the water. She drank it just fine. No problem. You know, these chairs that you're sat on today, do you know that when you leave, we, we stack them all up, not in the order that you put them down here. So next week, you're sitting on someone else's seat. Whether you like it or not. You don't mark them, do you, as you leave? Do you think that you're sat in exactly the same chair you sat in last week? Do you know how many bumps we've sat on that seat since you left? So what makes you think that's your chair? You know it's illogical, but you can't stop from feeling that way. That's why if you walk out now and come back, you can try an experiment now. because <laughs> Let's not tease him, let's not tease him. That's not nice. Hey, you know, when he comes back in, he will come looking for his seat. And if someone else has taken his seat, as a decent human being, right, born to good and decent parents, he may be quite happy with the fact that he's managed, able to offer the seat to somebody else. But internally, he'll still feel something. He'll feel, why is he sitting in my seat? I only left for two minutes. <laughs> because you can't stop that feeling. Why? Because there's a process that is responsible for that feeling. And as long as there are causes, there's nothing you can do about the results or the products of it. If you don't like the product, if you don't like the result, deal with the causes. Don't even touch the product. Don't even touch that result. If you want to put out a fire, don't deal with the fire. Deal with the causes of the fire. <clears throat> That's why you throw water at it. Because water does not take away the fire. It takes away the, one of the causes that caused the fire. Indeed, heat, yeah. If you stop adding wood to it or whatever the flammable object was, then as soon as it's burnt out, then you, the fire cannot continue. If you cut out the oxygen supply, then the fire won't continue. So the only way you can stop a fire is by taking out the causes, right? Please. Yeah, only one. You only need to do with one. Like we need all the causes of the fire to make the fire burn, but as soon as one uh, one one cause like a little bit like uh, fades away, then the fire stops. Yeah, bring that chair over here, Puta. <laughs> Beautiful. How many times have I tried to explain that in sermons? And this young Buddha has understood it wonderfully. Although you need a hundred causes to bring about one result, you only need to take out one cause to exterminate it. That is again one of the most wonderful things of the cause and effect principle. Because then it does not matter how many causes have gone into bringing about suffering. We don't need to find out three causes. We don't need to find, about, find out two causes. You only need to find one. Because pull that one, that's it. So when the Buddha says, attachment is the cause of suffering, only a fool would ask, are there any other causes? 
they'd only ask that because they're either not interested in bringing suffering to an end and they're only interested in finding about or learning about the dhamma or they just haven't understood the principle of cause and effect it may so be that you know there are multiple causes but the buddha in all his wisdom and his infinite compassion realized that as you know mortal beings the you and i are the one that we can all grasp you know with our limited sense of wisdom and intelligence is that cause which is attachment and therefore he explained that the cause for this is ignorance work at that you know you can't make it make nibbana any simpler i, I <laughs> don't even try when the buddha says you know treat attachment and then suffering will all be gone don't try to become another buddha <laughs> because if you did you would only come back saying the same thing again as the maitri buddha would do in several eons time because while we have the buddha's dhamma prevailing someone is still a bodhisattva is trying to become a buddha one day he will and then he'll come and say yeah the previous one was right <laughs> as they have always said So, do you understand the problem with the sense of belonging now? That it is only problematic, that it serves no beneficial purpose. There are no advantages to to this sense of belonging, this sense of ownership. Conventionally, yes, there is, right? Things belong to you, things belong to me. Things belong to neighbors, friends, right? your colleagues the person sat next to you it's their chair don't take it it's their cup it's their plate it's their pen it's their book right? don't take it that's why you put your name on it that's fine put your name on it when you find the right person put a ring on it <laughs> that's fine right but what i'm talking about that is conventionally accepted that is a conventionally accepted norm deep down inside your intelligence your intellect your mind your wisdom should tell you that this is simply a fool's game this is simply a drama you need to begin to accept that this is a drama we are all actors on a stage this is my car that is your car we are acting yeah just just following a script and arahant has internalized this you and i as we go through this process need to start to think in these terms until it has become part and parcel of the way we process information but you can't do it until and unless you accept what i'm telling is true so that doesn't mean i'm going to hold a gun to your head and say accept it because it can't be done like that as i said explained this morning you know i can i can hold your you know your your chin and press your cheeks and put in a pill to heal you if you are feeling ill or if you are feeling sick or whatever but i can't force feed the dhamma to you it can only be accepted through wisdom <laughs>